Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, the NTSB releasing their preliminary report on the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio today. What does the report say? Elon Musk is not leaving California entirely. He has just announced Tesla will establish its global engineering headquarters in the state. Chipmaker Nvidia stock jumped today. It's expected to be one of the biggest winners as artificial intelligence becomes more widely used. Sam Bankman-Fried, the disgraced founder of crypto exchange FTX, now facing more criminal charges. What are they about? Inflation revised higher in the fourth quarter. Despite this, a market analyst says price increase could be slowing down and that this could be a risk to assets. We have comments from the analyst. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. The flashpoint of a highly toxic train derailment in Ohio is centering on a burning wheel bearing, not the actions of the crew. This is according to the National Transportation Safety Board's preliminary report out today. Meanwhile, the transportation secretary toured the contaminated town, calling the safety board's initial findings key to better protections in the future. Here's more. We have no evidence that the crew did anything wrong. The NTSB releasing their preliminary report on the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There's also no evidence of track defects. The engineer at the time was following another train and was already in dynamic braking to slow behind the train. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, also in Ohio, getting a first-hand look at the cleanup underway. How long have you done You'd have to ask the railroad. We will not wait for that process to run its course to continue doing everything that we can to raise the bar on rail safety. The NTSB says while there's no evidence the crew did anything wrong, the train's failed wheel bearing will be key to their investigation. Having these uh, factual findings is an important step toward being able to move on to the phase of policymaking. The rail company says it's already committed $7 million to clean up. Turning to healthcare, Moderna today reported fourth quarter profits missing Wall Street expectations. It's partly because of a royalty payment to the National Institutes of Health. The royalty payment was around $400 million paid last quarter. It's related to a patent rights dispute over its COVID vaccine. Moderna had not previously disclosed it. Moderna sold over $18 billion worth of vaccines last year. But this year's sales are expected to come around $5 billion, much lower than last year's. Rival Pfizer also forecast a bigger than expected drop in sales of its COVID-19 products. Moderna shares were down nearly 7% today. Members of Congress are launching an investigation into COVID-19 vaccines. A House subcommittee will be looking into the vaccine's development, approval process, side effects, and other issues. Here's more. The House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, which falls under the Oversight Committee, will be investigating the COVID-19 vaccine. This includes possible side effects, the regulatory process of authorizing and approving the vaccines, and why the vaccines were mandated. Subcommittee Chairman Brad Wenstrup told NTD that the members are concerned about reports on vaccine side effects. 
We are concerned about that. And how are we collecting data and actually reporting on it? You know, the vaccines were initially there for emergency use authorization. And I felt that the highest risk people, and we did understand somewhat who the high risk populations were and the comorbidities that might exist, but what are some of the adverse effects and are we collecting the data accurately? One goal of the committee is making sure the country is prepared for future pandemics. One committee member, Congresswoman Marionette Miller-Meeks, said, quote, In order to do so, we must have complete transparency in vaccine research, clinical trials, and adverse reactions, and manufacturing. Another member, Congressman Rich McCormick, said he's concerned about how the vaccine was encouraged for children as young as six months old. Yet another member, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, said, quote, People do deserve to know about the long-term safety and efficacy of the vaccine. Apart from investigating the vaccines, the Republican-controlled panel is also investigating other aspects of the pandemic. That includes the origins of the virus, U.S. involvement in the Wuhan lab, and the government's response to the pandemic. Sam Bankman-Fried, the embattled founder of crypto trading platform FTX, is now facing four more criminal charges. The new federal charges expand his potential liability in what authorities say is a billion-dollar fraud. Beckman-Fried was initially charged in December in an eight-count indictment. He pleaded not guilty and is free on a $250 million bond. The indictment unsealed today adds new charges for a total of 12 counts, including securities fraud and conspiracy to commit bank fraud. The new indictment also says Beckman-Fried's illegal straw donor political contributions totaled tens of millions of dollars paid for by FTX and its sister company, Alameda. Onto Wall Street, the Dow rose 108 points or 0.3 percent, S&P gained 21 points, 0.5 percent, NASDAQ added 83 points, 0.7 percent. And Elon Musk is not entirely abandoning California, saying on Wednesday that Tesla will make the state its global engineering home, even though the electric vehicle maker's corporate headquarters are now in Texas. Flora Bradley Watson has more. Elon Musk announced plans on Wednesday to make California Tesla's global engineering home. We're we're excited to announce that uh, Tesla's uh, global engineering headquarters will be right here, the uh, former headquarters of uh, Hewlett-Packard. And uh, this is, uh, I think, a poetic uh, transition from the company that founded Silicon Valley to Tesla. Applaud, everybody. (laughs) It's a bit of a turnaround for the billionaire who has previously criticized the U.S. state for, quote, over-regulation, over-litigation, over-taxation. He also moved Tesla's official corporate headquarters to Texas in 2021. The two states are political and business rivals. While California has more electric vehicles and provided Tesla with tax incentives as it grew, Texas is known for relatively light regulation and is the heart of the nation's oil and gas industry. Musk had California Governor Gavin Newsom by his side when he announced Wednesday's news. During the event, Newsom bragged that his state was the biggest manufacturing center in the nation. People forget that. California is the largest manufacturing state in the United States, now the fourth largest economy in the world. Eat your heart out, Germany. The announcement comes not long after Tesla said it would focus battery cell production in the U.S., pausing plans to produce entire batteries in Germany in light of federal incentives in the Inflation Reduction Act. Tesla is one of the first companies to declare such a strategy shift, prompted by the legislation. 
Chipmaker Nvidia stock soared 14% today after it posted stronger than predicted results after the closing bell Wednesday. The company also forecasts sales above Wall Street expectations. Now, this is in sharp contrast to rival Intel. Intel cut its dividend 66% this week after lowering its first quarter revenue outlook last month. Now, NVIDIA got its start producing chips for video games, but now it dominates the market for specialized chips for artificial intelligence like ChatGPT. Intel, though, only has a very small presence in this area. NVIDIA's surge has boosted its market value by more than $70 billion. That brings it to about five times that of Intel. And streaming music service Spotify is jumping into AI usage with its very own artificial intelligence DJ. It comes on the heels of AI software like ChatGPT making waves in other industries. Here's Entity's John Marshall. Spotify is jumping into adoption of artificial intelligence with its newest release of an AI DJ. Hey Max, what's going on? I'm X and from this moment on, I'm going to be your own personal AI DJ on Spotify. Let's go. Spotify has long made suggestions for its users, but is now beta testing an innovative new option. The AI DJ will mimic the experience of listening to a live DJ on the radio. It's like we've, we've, what we've done is that we've gone into the secret room in Pandora's box. We, we have already opened Pandora's box, but then we've gone into the secret chamber of Pandora's box and also opened that. It will deliver a curated lineup of music alongside commentary around the tracks and artists it thinks you'll like using an extremely realistic sounding voice. I spoke with the founder of rock band Living Color about his opinions on AI integration into music. Duration can be totally automated. And that's an incremental step into accepting the omnipresence of AI. And at a certain point, it's also about, not about the technology as it is manifested right now, but it's about getting us used to the idea and technologies are converging. The voice of the DJ is generated using Synantic, a voice-to-text platform that Spotify acquired in 2022. Spotify aims to deliver the right piece of music for that exact moment in time, and maybe even connect you with your next favorite artist in the process. Buried believes such an automated process could be counterproductive for up-and-coming artists. And now we're talking about a completely automated system that only gives you what you want to hear. How are you going to hear the next great singer-songwriter? our next band. How's that going to happen? You're just going to get regurgitated the things you already, the things you already dig. American music is about the collision of different peoples creating new things. How is that going to happen in this case? AI DJ will be available only to Spotify's premium users. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Images created by artificial intelligence are not covered by copyright law. That's the word from the U.S. Copyright Office after it ruled on illustrations in a new comic book created by the AI program called Mid-Journey. While the images in the comic book aren't covered by intellectual property rights, the text is. The author of the comic book didn't reveal in her copyright application that the images were created by AI. It's a notable development as the exploits of AI programs like Midjourney and ChatGPT have dominated tech headlines in recent months. 
In today's special report, we look at why America was first to put out an AI program like ChatGPT and China didn't. Both superpowers have invested heavily in artificial intelligence, yet America is ahead. What are the differences in government policy, culture, and history that have led to this? ChatGPT, by the way, is a computer program that can talk to, with people like a human would. People can type in virtually any question or command, and ChatGPT will give intelligent, coherent, detailed responses. It's had a huge impact in many industries like customer service, healthcare, education, and e-commerce. So why was America first to put out this kind of program and not China? Like with all of our ChatGPT special reports, we were curious what ChatGPT would say. It said America has a long history of investing in AI research and development. America has many of the world's leading universities and research institutions. Even the American government has provided substantial funding for AI development. America also has a strong tech industry, which has attracted talented researchers and engineers from all around the world. And of course, America's regulatory environment is good for innovation. Now, in comparison, China's regulatory environment is a different story. There's far more state involvement in AI development. The Chinese regime has imposed a number of guidelines and regulations, some of which could actually hamper the industry. For example, the Chinese regime imposed restrictions on data access and sharing, especially for foreign companies. And this is counterintuitive because AI needs data to develop. China is also less transparent about its AI research and development. It's very different from the more open approach used to create ChatGPT. The creator of ChatGPT is literally called OpenAI. We spoke to AI researcher Alexander de Ritter. He says this is a key reason that ChatGPT has been so successful. We see uh, rewards in the market for openness and collaboration. So OpenAI um, released uh, early access to their models to engineers, developers, who then started using it and started giving OpenAI massive amount of information on how to make that model better. It gives researchers access to peer insights so they don't have to solve the same problem twice. And it brings more data and adoption to the market, which is key to improving those models. As an AI researcher, De Ritter is constantly reading AI research papers, including those from China. He says China has had a, a tremendous surge in the quantity of AI research, but that's not all it needs. One thing that um, is a little bit thematic uh, in that research is that oftentimes it is about a research project to do one step better than what already has been done by somebody else. So China showing that it can do the same thing, but better. Whereas papers from the West are oftentimes uh, interesting in a way that they are not so much caring about being better, but are trying completely radical things that may completely not work. And sometimes those are the exact ideas that are necessary to make massive improvements in the field in the future. And the fact that English is America's most common language is also important. We spoke with Abbas Modelina, the founder of AI firm Umaker. Modelina says AI language models like ChatGPT need to learn by looking at data sets. In this case, the data set is the internet. And what language is most of the internet in? 
approximately 55 to 56% of the internet is written in English. Most of the websites in the world are English websites. And so for the underlying engine to learn, it needs a repository of information against which it can leverage and for there to be an, an, an input. Um, and it's just the, the, the pace of development of you know, the World Wide Web and the internet started in English-speaking regions. While over 56% of the internet is in English, only 1.5% is in Chinese. So for an English-speaking program, this is clearly a head start. To make things worse, the Chinese regime has also heavily censored large parts of the internet. This, of course, further restricts the amount of data its language models can learn from. Meanwhile, Chinese tech giant Baidu will launch its own chat GPT-style program very soon. It's called ErnieBot. Baidu says Ernie stands for Enhanced Representation Through Knowledge Integration. Baidu plans on integrating Ernie with all of its operations, starting with its internet search service. We can expect to meet Ernie sometime in March. Moving on. Inflation increased much faster than initially thought in the last quarter. The price index for gross domestic purchases, or PCE, rose four-tenths of a percent higher than previously thought. The PCE price index now sits at a 3.7% rate. And a note, the PCE price indexes are the Fed's preferred inflation measures. But good news is that the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits fell last week. This is pointing to a still tight labor market. But some are concerned that this could mean the Federal Reserve might raise interest rates higher than expected. Joining me now is Jim Uriel, Managing Director of TJM Institutional Services. Now, Jim, we're seeing the PCE index being revised up. And, you know, today I was looking at your, uh, your Twitter, one of your tweets uh, talking about inflation dissipating. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. Do you think inflation has dissipated? Well, okay, that's a tough question because let's just rewind the tape to last week when we saw the CPI number. Now, it's easy to explain away that CPI because if you take out the shelter component of it, the owner equivalent rents portion of it, and you substituted it with a much more current index like what comes from Zillow, you'd get a much more uh, a much different picture of inflation. But then now you throw in the PPI that came out on Thursday, and that made it seem like there is a modest resurgence in inflation. So right now I'm kind of on the precipice of thinking that I'm could possibly be wrong about this. But there's there's two ways of being of, of, of the ways to look at this. One is that if the Fed has to raise rates to fight the modest resurgence of inflation, that's obviously bad for risk assets. If the Fed has to raise rates to fight a modest resurgence of inflation, but the tools that we're using to measure it are somewhat backward looking and it really isn't the current condition. That's even worse for risk assets. And I think actually that's more likely to me. I think if the Fed left, they're not going to leave rates where they are. If the Fed left rates exactly where they are going forward, we are probably above a neutral rate where inflation would start to dissipate rather, rather quickly. They're not satisfied with that. They want, to, they want it to end right now. And they're realizing that it's very difficult to manipulate a massive economy like the one we have. Now, that brings us to tomorrow's data, the PCE, which as I keep seeing revisions going up, revisions going up. Now we're sitting at 4.9 year over year um, for the uh, 
PCE and core 4.3 are expectations, but those have been revised up. So now me, it, to me, it seems like people are expecting surprises to the upside and guess what happens then? We get surprised to the downside. So I think that's the most likely scenario in tomorrow's uh, data. Now, the other part to your tweet, why is there a risk to assets if the indicators or indexes we're, we're watching have a leg? So, so here's what the yield curve is telling us by being as inverted as it is, is that they believe that the Fed is going to overreact. Now, to your question, my contention is that the tools we use to assess inflation are somewhat backward looking and don't measure the current condition. If that's the case, that the Fed is possibly fighting a, a dragon that's already been slayed but with their actions from the last 10 months, meaning that when they when we hike rates, it's absolutely foolish to think we're going to see the effects of that rate hike immediately just because our indicators and barometers need a while to, and the economy itself needs a while to adjust to the new rate environment. I personally believe the rates right now are held are above the neutral rate and eventually they're going to have to to cut rates. And by the way, I'm not alone on this. The Fed funds futures curve, which right now is predicting 75 basis points more of hikes within the rest of the year. And then towards the end of this year, eases the Fed's going to have to take back. Um, this is to me the, something that's really, really unfortunate with Fed policy is that they, they know that they caused this inflation and they're doing whatever they can to stop this inflation. They've probably done enough, but that's not good enough. They have to, they want to see the enemy be defeated. And unfortunately, the only way to do that is to keep, keep uh, hiking rates to the detriment of the rest of the economy. And that's what they're going to do, in my opinion. Now, Jim, I always like to ask you this. I understand you own a restaurant. What are you seeing in terms of inflation over there? So we're, we're at a place of affordable luxury here right now. And inflation, by the way, it, it, our expenses went up to the tune of about 30% over two years' time, probably even more than that. We've had to raise prices four times. We're operating at a much... Um, lower margin than we used to. But again, I think the people in the, I think there's a barbelling of the economy. I think the rich got richer over the last three years and the poor got poorer. The people who still have money are willing to spend it. But only right now are we seeing, in my opinion, people who are starting to eliminate trips to high-end restaurants and dialing back down to the affordable luxury. We're an upscale pub, you know, high-end burgers, ribs, things like that. And I think we're in kind of a sweet spot of restaurant. We still have pretty good crowds. Uh, that was always kind of, um, you know, the McDonald's model, the affordable luxury. If we're in boom times, then, you know, they make money on the real estate. If we're in bus times, people go to McDonald's instead of going to higher-end restaurants. Uh, and I think that's kind of where my restaurant fits in. So right now, anecdotally, it's, uh, it's fine for us. Well, that's good to hear, Jim. Always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Still to come, the newest candidate to throw his hat into the presidential ring has kicked off his campaign. What, do, what could people expect if he becomes president? Welcome back. Vivek Ramaswamy is officially on the campaign trail. His first stop was in New Hampshire last night, where he answered several questions from the audience. NTD's Jason Perry attended the event. 
American entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy kicked off his presidential campaign in New Hampshire on Wednesday night. Ramaswamy said he probably wouldn't have even thought about running if he wasn't following former President Trump's example as a, quote, outside disruptor. Then Ramaswamy keyed in on some of the people in Trump's cabinet. And when I look at that relationship between Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci, or between Donald Trump and James Comey, that is not sovereignty. That is not self-governance. That is aristocracy in the guise of democracy. And so if there's one thing that I do more than any other, it is going to be to get into the federal government, to get rid of civil service protections, to say that if I'm president of the United States and you all are electing me to put me there, and I can't work for the federal government for more than eight years, then by God, nobody who's working for me is going to work for the federal government for more than eight years. One audience member asked him what he thought about the World Economic Forum. This, this is the most boastful thing I say tonight, but I just want to be clear about it. There is not a person in America who has both pointed out and actually done something to take on the global hegemony of the World Economic Forum that I have over the last three years. And as U.S. President, I do not intend to stop. And he explained a bigger picture that he sees in America. The dividing line is not between Republicans and Democrats even anymore. It is between pro-American and anti-American. And when you draw it that way, it's at least 70-30, if not better, in our favor. And that is why I am running for president to revive those ideals so we have one nation left at the end of it rather than otherwise where this is going in the direction of a national divorce. That is the whole premise of my campaign. Ramaswamy is scheduled to campaign in Iowa on Thursday. He joins the 2024 presidential race with Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Jason Perry, NTD News. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mike. You follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. Thank you for watching. See you tomorrow.